0: Boy, the music is great. Amen? Uh, I want to mention two more things. Uh, Of course, the book of Revelation, it's twice what it once was in terms of content. And uh, my good friend Ed Heinsen said he never read such a volume. Of course, I got to thinking about it. That could mean that it was the worst thing he ever read. (laughs) But anyway, uh, there's a few of those back there. And uh, the book called Babylon, you'll have to uh, call our ministry on, order it off our website, davidhocking.org. God has really blessed this book called Chosen by God, Israel. Uh, It became a bestseller in English. And we had a radio person who said, you know, this should be distributed in Israel. And they sent us the money if we would print it in Israel and distribute it only there. And uh, we of course obliged. And it's in Hebrew so it means when you're looking at the book um, you're starting from the back as it were in Hebrew going from right to left. And uh, while we were in Israel uh, we had a bunch of copies on our bus and we distributed them all over. It's been given to Netanyahu and his entire cabinet and to every member of the Knesset. And we're now distributing it among the Israeli Defense Forces. And uh, I hope you'll get a copy and read it yourself. I gave it to my Jewish rabbi friends and I said, if there's anything wrong let me know. There's still time to change it. And they wrote me and said it's irrefutable one of the things that happened to me and it was kind of incidental in a way um, I uh, have a chapter in here called 1948 the most important year uh, for Israel becoming a nation and I received uh, awards for that and I really don't deserve it but here it is chapter 19, 1948 Boy, was that spectacular. Wow. Excuse me just a minute while I read. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) thank you for all your lovely comments, and thank you for your prayers for my wife, Carol. The surgery on her melanoma, uh, which is in several spots, it's stage three. She's going to have that this coming Friday. So we'll appreciate your prayers. Interestingly, uh, several of you prayed for me when I had malaria after speaking in Africa and went into a coma and so forth. So uh, the Department of Infectious Diseases uh, took over at St. Joseph's Hospital in Orange and they became very wonderful friends of mine. Well, after they released me from that hospital Uh, I went in three months to England to preach at a prophecy conference and caught E. coli. And, well thank you very much. I caught E. coli. Okay. Anyway, uh, I went into a coma for five weeks. And uh, many of you prayed and my how I appreciated that. I don't know if you know about E. coli but it hits all the nerves and muscles of your body so you cannot move. So when I woke up, I woke up and I was singing until then. (laughs) Until then my eyes will go. You know. Anyway, somebody was harmonizing with me when I woke up. And I can't move. And it was the guy who used to play for the 49ers who was assigned me because I'm not the side view of a postcard so they needed a a bigger guy and so he was authorized for the next few weeks to carry me everywhere and i feel sorry for him i i think he's in the hospital now <laughs> no i'm kidding so they finally released me from that only to be with pastor steve on the freeway of san francisco and we had a nice little automobile accident, anyway uh those are still the nicest policemen I ever met. You know, they pried me out of the car, and I was really hurting and uh they said, "Well, we're gonna take you to the hospital." I said, "I'm under doctor's care at St Joseph in Orange, so they called a the hospital there's a police, and uh they said, "Yes, sir, they're ready to receive you. There'll be an ambulance there." and we're, we'll take you to the airport. So they drive me to the airport. These these are police. And picked me up and carried me to Southwest and had them clean off the front row so I could be laid down, the whole thing. And uh, went to Orange County and there they were waiting for me and took me to the hospital. Uh, thank you, Steve. <laughs> like is. Yeah. And uh, my bones were all infected from that accident. And uh, I've had reconstruction of my bones. And I haven't had a chance to tell you how wonderful it was, Steve. Uh, just a real blessing. Will anybody else be taking me to the airport this week? Okay. <laughs> I just had to get that out. Anyway. So, uh, the Lord is good and thank you for your prayers. It's been... Uh, a wonderful trip for the Lord. Now, uh, I I wish I had about three hours. That's what I need. Um, well, what about the game? I don't know. I just gotta, uh, anyway. Um, again, the book would be very, very apropos. Actually. Uh, you will find a lot about today's message in the book of Revelation. Because that's where we're going. Go to chapter 17, please. Chapter 17. We've looked at the history of Babylon. Nimrod, of course, who built the first kingdom this world has ever seen after the flood. And, uh, oh, someone asked me, well, where did Israel come from? That is a great question. Why? Because they're not one of the 70 nations after the flood. So where'd they come from? And there's a big argument, even in Israel, as well as other countries, about who is really Jewish. Big argument. They have uh, laboratories studying uh, morphology and DNA. Uh, They claim to have isolated a chromosome, that if you have it, you are a priest. Uh, my good friend Bill Koenig of Watch.org, the largest Christian site uh, on, the le- on the web, and Bill Koenig, uh, who thought he was a Gentile, just found out this summer his wife is Jewish, but they took him to Yad Hashem, and uh, they were trying to write an article on the settlements and uh, one of the rabbis there said, You know, your name is very familiar. Are you sure you're not Jewish? He said, No, I'm just Gentile. He said, Well, would you go with me over to Yad Hashem? I used to work in that department. He said, Sure. So he went over there. And not only did he find his name, he found eight people with spelling the name correctly who died in the Holocaust. Well, that made Bill a little nervous. But he said, Well, but it, I'm not Jewish. I, he said, well, would you mind going to our laboratories and uh, to do a real testing, DNA of you? Well, okay, I guess it won't hurt. So they did it, and he sat out in the lobby waiting for the results. And uh, the rabbi came out, and through his beard, he looked white. Uh, he said, what's going on? He said, sir, I don't know how to tell you this. Tell me what? He said... You have the chromosome of a Jewish priest. We will be happy to provide a home for you and your wife and start your training for the temple. Can you imagine how would you be shaken up a bit? <laughs> and Bill told me the story that we were in Canada together, and he said, I, "I still haven't gotten over it." He said, "I don't know what to do with it." I said, "Well, just praise the Lord." Besides, Paul said he was a Jew is not one outwardly in the flesh, but one inwardly. We need to be circumcised in our hearts. Anyway, another story. Now how did I get on that? I don't know. I think it was a story about Pastor Steve, that's how I got on. It. Okay, Revelation seventeen. You have your Bible open? So we studied history, the king of Babylon who is Satan. And now the mystery of Babylon. These are subjects the Bible deals with. And this one, my goodness, the books that have been written on it. Let's try it. Chapter 17, beginning at verse 1. And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, or bowls, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show thee unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. Now this particular chapter and verse just kind of hits you between the eyes. The great whore with whom the kings, plural, of the earth have committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, and mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman of the beast that carrieth her, which hath the seven heads and ten horns. The beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder, whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. And here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. There are seven kings, five are fallen, and one is and the other is not yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth and is of the seven. And goeth into perdition. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. These have one mind, and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. These shall make war with the lamb, and the lamb shall overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings. By the way, feel free to say amen. Yeah. Did you know that God doesn't like silence? I remember as a boy hearing a pastor say let's be silent in the temple of the Lord. It all sounds so, I don't know, churchy, I don't know. I thought it was silly and then I read in the Bible that God doesn't like silence. We're supposed to let it rip when we hear something about God. Amen? The Messiah is King of kings and Lord of lords. All right. I guess I motivated that. They that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. And he saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest, where the whore sitteth, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore, shall make her desolate and naked, shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. And the woman which thou sawest is Washington, D.C. I know it doesn't say that. The woman that thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. Go over to chapter 19. And after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God, for true and righteous are his judgments. For he hath judged the great whore, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Hallelujah. And her smoke rose up forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshiped God that sat on the throne saying, Amen, Alleluia. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude and as a voice of many waters as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, "Hallelujah!" for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. And all God's people said. Amen. Father, we pray you would bless your word to our hearts. May we be careful to say what you say, no more, no less. And most of all, that we will understand the influence of Babylonianism even in our day. Thank you, Lord, The blessed name of our Lord Yeshua, we pray. Amen. Well, let's get right into it. Here's some details about this woman. Revelation 17, 1 to 6. And um, these are written to us by the Lord God himself. And he tells us what she is like. Babylon the great. By the way, it will be a part of the arguments that I will give you at the end, at the end of tomorrow's message that feminine pronouns are used of Babylon, never masculine. Interesting point in trying to figure it out. I'll tell you more about that tomorrow. Right now, we learn she has great authority. Number one. Great authority. She sitteth upon how many waters? Many. Many. And we are already told from verse 15 that the waters which thou sawest where the horse sitteth are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues, or multiple languages. Number two. She has the appearance of great wealth. Look at the list there. And then remember that we have in Jeremiah 51, 6-8 the passage that is quoted here. The interesting thing about the book of Revelation, 20 years ago when I first wrote a commentary, I found myself 400 quotations from the Old Testament. However, a Hebrew University which uh, does teach Revelation, Uh, if you go there, you have to be proficient in Greek because you're going to translate the book of Revelation back into Hebrew. And that is no small task. But the result of that study, which has been done over the entire New Testament, is that Revelation has 721 quotations from the Old Testament. Hebrew University says, It appears that the only thing not in the Old Testament or the Jewish Tanakh, the Jewish Bible, the only thing not there are the names of the seven churches that are mentioned in chapters 2 and 3. Even the things said about the churches are quotations from the Old Testament. This is an integrated software system controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. Feel free to say amen. It's important that we read the Bible and understand the impact of the Bible. Well, she has the appearance of great wealth. I can't help but contrast her with the godly woman of First Timothy, right? Or Titus. Number three, she has many abominations in her history. Uh, according to the Bible, she's called the great whore. The waters are where the whore sits. And uh, did we get that many abominations? This is um, what she was called the great uh, whore. And she's characterized by fornication. And now this is the third one, her association with Babylon. It is impossible for us to run away from this. What amazes me in all the books I have on Babylon and Revelation is how little the writers refer to the whore having an effect upon churches today. That has disturbed me greatly. Uh, She's characterized by fornication. Many people say it's just political. I don't think so. I think God is making it clear that this woman, a picture of this prostitute sitting on a beast, with seven heads, with ten horns on the seventh head, that it is picturing the work of the devil himself, not only in political institutions and kingdoms, but in the religious world as well. Babylon, after all, is a religion, and it controls politics, economics, you name it. It's a dangerous deception, and it's in our world big time. Uh, She has antagonism, number four, uh, with uh, believers. Put it up there. The accusation... How'd they get in there? Oh, I skipped it. Yeah. Follow what's up there, not me. But anyway, she is a mystery. That's what the Bible says. Amen? Babylon the Great. Now, that word... Has never been translated. Did you know that? The word mystery is a transliteration of the Greek language. The Greek word is mysterion. It was just said into English mystery, not translated. There are a lot of things about the word mystery. I have quite a bit in the book, which you can read when you get it. But the word mystery is used often about good things. It could be a positive issue. In this case, it is negative. The word mystery appears four times in the book of Revelation. But notice she's not only a mystery, which means something hidden in the past, but is going to be revealed to us in the future. And that's what I think Revelation 17 and 18 is doing. She is a mother. The mother of what? It says, harlots, prostitutes, and abominations of the earth. The word abomination, I can tell you what my kids say. I don't know what it means, Dad, but it sounds awful. An abomination in the Bible is idolatry and immorality. And the two are often together. Now, the next major thing I want to show you is the description. Put it up there the description of the beast. Here's where we get into trouble. Um, I was going to bring you a couple of books that are recent and read paragraphs out of them to show you how troubling it is figuring this out. One of them, by a popular prophecy organization, says the beast is the United States of America. Hmm. And the great city is either Washington, D.C. or New York. Believest thou this? I certainly don't. So let's break it down a little bit. The identity of seven heads. That's what we want to look at. Put it up there. Its impact and then its identity with seven heads. Now go back to chapter 12 and look at verse 3. Chapter 12, verse 3. Where there are great signs being seen in heaven by John. Verse 3. And there appeared another wonder or sign in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven, seven crowns upon his head. So, when we try to identify the seven heads we know first that they're connected to the dragon. Amen? Why don't you say amen so I'll go on. It's connected to the dragon. Now go over to chapter 13 and look at verse 1. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns, this time, ten crowns, and upon his heads, the name of blasphemy so first i know that this picture of babylon the great is connected with the dragon revelation 12 verse 1 and secondly it's connected with the beast upon which the woman rides with seven heads 10 horns and the crowns are on the horns this time, Now look at chapter 17, verse 8. Chapter 17, verse 8. The beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is well what in the world is this all about well we know first it's connected with the dragon second we know that the beast has come out of the bottomless pit with seven heads and ten horns and the crowns are on his horns and third we know the beast has come out of the bottomless pit and will go into perdition permanently in hell In chapter 19 verse 20 And the beast was taken and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. So that's where they're headed. Now it appears that the beast ceased to exist and all of a sudden wasn't around, and then it comes back to life as a 10nation confederacy. Is everybody following that? <laughs> Revelation 13:3, if you want to flip back there for a moment, it says, "I saw one of his heads." Was it a horn or a head? Anyone. It's a head. Uh, many of the articles being written on this act as though one of the horns was wounded. Uh Uh-uh. It's a head. It was wounded to death and his deadly wound was healed and all the world wondered after the beast and they worshipped him. You see this is a tough one but apparently the heads are representing something a lot bigger than the horns. And five of those heads, according to Revelation 17, were already gone in John's day. Wow. So which one gets the deadly wound? Anybody? If five of them existed before John's day and one is in existence during John's time, which one gets the deadly wound? Why don't you try? It would be the sixth head. Why? Because the other five are already gone. Okay? Now apparently it's healed to the point it becomes an empire again with ten divisions in it. Those are the ten horns. And here's something important. The Antichrist, a lot of people identify with the beast, the head. That isn't what it says. According to Daniel 7 and 8, the Antichrist is a little horn who comes up among the ten horns, quickly takes up three under his power and authority, and eventually becomes the eighth empire of the world. Is everybody following this? How many are following it and know exactly what I just said? Okay, two of you. Go back to Revelation 17, verse 10. There are seven kings, five are fallen. Now, John's writing at 95 A.D., and he says five are fallen. People say, well, that must be the Roman empires. No, there's more than that between the time of Octavian and the time Of John writing Revelation. So, what in the world does he mean? He's talking about heads as though they are kingdoms or empires, not just kings who rule in them. The first five had already fallen in John's day. Uh, We have a list of them right here Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo Persia, and Greece. All five are gone in John's day. Amen. How many of you now know that there are five empires that were gone in John's day? Okay, now we're doing better. Now it says one is what world empire was in power when John wrote the book of Revelation? Rome. Ah, Rome. That's the one that is. The seventh head had not come as yet. A future empire is described by the seventh head having ten horns. The seventh head will only last a short time. And the eighth will come out of the seven. As that little horn will come out of somewhere in the world and quickly take up power. And he can speak very well and do nothing. I know some of you afterwards are going to ask me if Obama's the Antichrist. (laughs) He does speak well. I don't think he's smart enough, frankly. But anyway. Oh, that was a bad blow. I've got worse things to say, which I'll keep to myself. In Daniel 7, verse 8, you will learn about that. So now let's talk about the involvement Put it up there. The involvement of the ten horns. Verses 12 to 14. Again, if you will study Daniel 7 and 8 you will learn a great deal about this. And uh, their involvement is very interesting here in verse 12. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings. Wow. Wow. People say to me, well I thought this was the European Union. They have 25 and 9 more wanting to get in. I don't think so. But it was interesting about a month ago the European Union discussed that they cannot get anything done with 25 people at the table. So they suggested a division of 10. Wow. My mind perked up. And I was even more interested when I found what their meaning was of a ten-division world government. It included all nations of the world. That's interesting. That's what the Bible says. And it represents global government, world government that would control all nations. And that's where they're going. And the ten divisions were a little bit different than what you could expect. I was interested because I was looking at Division I, and I read quite a bit on it. Division One happens to be Canada, the U.S., and Mexico. Do you remember the whole economic de- design called uh, NAFTA? Now, it was a failed experiment. But by the way, NAFTA still exists. It was never killed. One of its first projects was the pipeline. Remember that? From Canada all the way to Mexico City. And friends, when you start reading about the globalists and what they think and what they want, they're not done yet. And Division I has got to be settled before they can go on. They're going to have ten divisions. Now, if you want to read more about it, Uh, It's found under the websites of the Club of Rome. The Club of Rome are futuristic thinkers, and I don't trust them at all. They're into world government. They don't believe the Bible. They're anti-Israel. So be careful if you're going to go read it. But if you read it, you will discover that's exactly what they're planning for planet Earth. A tenfold division of the entire globe. All nations would be put on one of those ten. Interesting, huh? Listen carefully, please. I'm not interested in illogical or unacademic thinking here. I'm just asking you to think with me. If they establish the tenfold division for a world government, which they are actively pursuing, and they have regular meetings every quarter on it, by the way, and if Division One is North America and Mexico, which it is, this may explain to you some of the struggle and tension over immigration. Hello? They don't want any borders. And the interesting thing to me is that they are planning this for the next president in 2016 to be considered and approved by Congress. Division I would then do everything to establish a common economic base. They even talked about a different currency than the dollar. Is everybody still with us? I don't know what's going to happen, but I know this. The financial and business magazines that I expose myself to to know something about what's going on are all almost warning us that this is the next step to rescue America out of its serious debt. Uh-oh. But something has to take place first. One, they need to get rid of Stephen Harper in Canada. Two, they need to solve the border issue. Remember Obama yesterday and today already is saying that he's not going to discuss this. He wants Congress to approve it. And if you don't, I'm going to go ahead with it anyway. Now, I'm not misquoting. Those of you who have read the papers know what I'm talking about. I don't know where we are in all of this. I really don't. But do you know one of the names of Nimrod's wife, Semiramis, was Europa? From which we get the name Europe. The whole thing, all of this, it's like one gigantic myth that the Lord God of Israel knows how it's going to turn out. I see the possibility of what we're reading about Babylon the Great happening faster than any of us imagined. How do I see that? I see that by concluding who the woman is. The woman is riding the beast. The beast is representing the empires of the world. And its final organization has ten divisions. Holding all the nations of the earth in control by a world government. That the Antichrist will arise as a little horn. And will quickly take over the balance of power. Now I ask you, how is this going to happen to Babylon, the woman, without Babylonianism being in control of the churches? I noticed in the global discussions of a lot of intelligentsia newspapers, that they say one of the major problems to the growth of a world society are evangelicals who take the Bible literally. Are you all listening to me? Do you understand? We're not playing games here. I'm not here just to mess around with you. I'm here to tell you that the closeness of all of this it's very disturbing. Because under the present administration of the United States, we have seen Babylonianism take over the churches. It's been unbelievable. Wow. I'm going to tell you tomorrow morning about the fall of Babylon. Babylon. We do know, don't we, from the last three verses of chapter 17, there's a coming destruction of this woman. But I think we need to talk a little bit about who this might be. Why? Because that will determine what we say about Babylonianism in the church. In the book called Babylon that many of you have gotten now, in the last part of the book, It identifies very clearly where the great city is and what it is. Dave Hunt, who is in heaven now, wrote one of the greatest books ever written on this subject. And the reason why I'm so concerned is hardly anybody in the prophecy world picked it up and believed it. Dave Hunt's book you can get on Amazon.com rather cheaply. It's called A Woman Rides the Beast. I asked a Roman Catholic priest friend of mine do you know about Dave Hunt's book? He said of course. We've all read it. I said, I I wonder what you think about it. Well, we're not going to say much to our congregations, but he said Dave Hunt was right on target. The history of a woman who would influence all nations of the world cannot be anybody but the Roman Catholic Church. This is a Roman Catholic priest. I said, well you know, I'm taking it a step further. I said, yeah, what are you doing now? I said, I'm going to identify all the pagan practices that you guys are involved with that came from Babylon. He said, well if you need any help let me know. <laughs> I was astonished. You guys study this? Oh yes. And do you believe what Dave Hunt wrote about it? He said, absolutely, we were all shocked. The history of the Roman church, especially in the papacy, is not good. And if you don't know about that, you don't know why Revelation says, the blood of saints and prophets and those who love the Lord were found in her. I was surprised that he admitted it. The truth of the matter is, here at the end of Revelation... We have the means by which the woman is destroyed, mentioned in verse 15. We have the motivation behind this destruction. And by the way, those quotations are right out of Jeremiah, chapter 50 and 51. The Bible, again, is an integrated system. And the meaning of the woman is in verse 18, and that's where the problem comes. It says, that great city. Go back to Revelation chapter 11, please. Chapter 11. I need your undivided attention here. In Revelation 11, verse 8. The two witnesses. It says, Their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city. All right? So maybe write down a piece of paper. The great city. First, Revelation 11, verse 8 which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Then what city is it? I'm sorry? Jerusalem. This is the only place where you will find it. Now, you still got your Bible open? Go to chapter 14, verse 8. Chapter 14, verse 8. And there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city. There it is. So write down your second reference. Revelation 14, verse 8. Now, does it tell us what city it is? Anyway. Well, Babylon is fallen, that great city. So that great city is again Babylon. And who is Babylon the woman that rides the beast. Are you all following? Hello? I know it's getting near lunch. Stay with it. Number three. After looking at uh, these two references, go to chapter 16 and look at verse 19. These are the seven last plagues that will come on planet Earth. Verse 16, he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. The seventh angel poured out his vial or his bowl into the air and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne. So this is God speaking, saying, it is done. It's finished, the wrath of God against the planet. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such as was not since men were upon the earth so mighty an earthquake and so great. And the great city, there it is, was divided into three parts. And the cities, plural, of the nations fell, and great what? Came into remembrance. What does it say? Babylon came into remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath, and every island fled away. The mountains were not found. We're talking a geographical disaster. There fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent, and men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, for the plague thereof was exceeding great. What is happening here? The great city is called Great Babylon. So I've got Jerusalem with one reference. Chapter 11, verse 8. I've got Great Babylon now with several references. Let's keep going. Chapter 17, verse 5. And upon her forehead was a name written... Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. This woman that rides a beast representing the political empires of the world and the final one, the globalism that's coming with a ten-division caliphate empire, kingdom, whatever you want to call it. She sits on that. And it's the woman that's called that great city. Hmm. Let's keep going. Chapter 18, verse 2. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, Is fallen. We'll be talking about that in detail tomorrow. And has become the habitation of devils or demons, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, and that you receive not of her plagues, for her sins have reached unto heaven, And God hath remembered her iniquities. I hope you're reading this with carefulness and prayerfulness. That great city. One reference is Jerusalem. The rest so far are Babylon. Verse 10. Standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city. For in one hour is thy judgment come. How would it happen so fast? We read that at the end of chapter 16. A great earthquake such as never been seen in the history of the world. Every island moved out of its place. We know that can happen. The tsunami down there in Indonesia. That whole landmass, the fourth largest Muslim nation in the world, was moved out of its place 21 feet. That was nothing compared to what God's going to do. Wow. Verse 19 of chapter 18. And they cast dust on their heads and cried, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city wherein were made rich all that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness. For in one hour, there it is again, is she made desolate. Verse 21. A mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone, cast it into the sea, saying, Thus, with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. Is it a he or a she? She, all feminine pronouns used of her. Chapter 21 and verse 10. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city. There it is. Only this time he spells it out. The holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God having the glory of God. One usage to Jerusalem where our Lord was crucified. It's a great city, always has been. Secondly, one usage. For the coming holy Jerusalem coming out of heaven. What we would call heaven itself. All the rest of them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, usages. All speaking of a city that's unnamed, but called that great city. Well, I think we can rule out Jerusalem when our Lord was crucified. A lot has happened since then. And I think we'll rule out the holy city of heaven. So we still have seven usages of Babylon. So what is Babylon? Answer? A great city. Answer? A woman who has influenced all the nations of the world. Answer? Connected with ancient Babylon, even in her name. Wow. I do not see any possible escaping from the obvious. At the great city, a woman who is infiltrated, such as the Bible is described, and who says in chapter 18, verse 24, in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all that were slain upon the earth. My Roman Catholic priest said, there's one other possibility. I said, what? Islam. And I know what he said. But I also know that Islam doesn't meet the requirements of the passage what the Roman Catholic Church does. Now, I'm going to tell you in our final message tomorrow the things that Christians are manifesting of saying and doing and practicing that come from Babylonianism and you will decide as you hear it what's the truth. I'm not here to offend you. I'm here to speak truth. We will see tomorrow morning. So get a good night's rest. Let's pray. Father these things trouble us because we weren't there or we don't understand the connection of all of it. But Lord I pray that you will open up our minds to the influence of Babylonianism among the churches of our land. We never thought we would come to this day. The deception is widespread. It appears that Satan is, in fact, the king of Babylon seducing us. And that his tool for doing so is a woman who has been riding the cultures and empires of the world and causing them all to be deceived. Lord, we are very thankful that according to your word, Babylon will one day be destroyed completely, no more to be seen on earth. Until that day, I pray, Lord, that we will be busy about our master's business, seeking to win friends, family, associates to Jesus Christ, that the most important thing we could ever be involved with is to see that our friends and family, would come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Father, I pray that you will open up our eyes. I pray for any that are sitting here that are not even sure of their own relationship with you and your Son, our Savior, our Lord Jesus. God, I pray that by your Spirit you would challenge them now to open their hearts to you. As I interrupt my prayer for just a moment please don't look around just maintain privacy for everybody. If you're not sure really of your relationship with the Lord I wonder if you'd take a step with me and that is to simply acknowledge it and ask God to help you. Right where you're sitting you say I'm not really sure where I stand and I won't be mentioning your name or embarrassing you, but right where you are just slip your hand up to the Lord and say, God, that's me. I need to settle this. I need to make sure that I really belong to you and I've committed my life and my future to you and you alone. Right where you are. Lord, you see the hands, but you also see the heart. And I pray, Lord, that you will bring conviction. You will bring by your Holy Spirit the answer of what it means to have a personal relationship with you that's real and not contrived. Thank you, Lord. In the blessed name of our Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you. One more to go. Unless you want to learn about...